Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. And we have as our guest a very special occasion uh, to have Tom Campbell with us. Tom is the creator, of, well, the creator and the former executive producer and former moderator of NC Spin, having just announced his retirement from doing that program for how many years, Tom? Uh, 22 and a half. 22 and a half years. And we're going to talk about the uh, time with North Carolina Spin in a later segment. But uh, since this is the year in, I thought it would be good to get Tom's perspective on uh, what uh, is happening in both uh, the federal and the state level as far as going into the year 2021. Uh, It's been an interesting 2020, to say the least. Uh, So, Tom, uh, where are we and where are we going? And uh, Well, I'll be glad to comment on that, Don, but but did perhaps I perceive – a familiar voice spinning the Christmas records on Friday on uh, one of my favorite radio stations? Well, uh, you know, I've, I've been doing that program for a number of years uh, uh, on Sunday nights, and we decided to make it a, uh, or they decided to make it a uh, feature of the daytime. So a lot of folks have heard it. It was It's an interesting program because we had all those uh, voices out of the past uh, doing recitations and readings and so forth. Gregory Peck and Bing Crosby, and Jack Benny, and all those guys. We'll talk about that a little later on too. <laughs> okay. But uh, going into, uh, uh, you know, obviously 2020 was a strange, strange year and it, it sort of set the stage for going into 2021. We have a, a president elect and we have a period of time going on now where uh, we're not quite sure what the next move is coming out of uh, the present uh, incumbent in the White House. Uh, it's just strange times. So wh- what do you think is going on, Tom, and how do you think we're going to make it to uh, Feb- uh, January the 20th when the, the uh, new administration takes over? Well, I, I suspect that um, we're going to get a new president. Joe Biden is going to be inaugurated president. Now, between now and January 20th, I think there's going to be a lot of animus. I think there is possibly going to be um, some unrest, maybe even some violence. Uh, it, it is really interesting, Don, in that while legally nobody has ever been able to prove statistically and legally any actual fraud or uh, uh, as misdeeds so far as the the election was concerned, Trump has been beating this drum so long and so loud to the point where uh, a large number of people actually believe it. And they think this election was stolen from him. Now, I personally am of the opinion that this has been nothing but another Donald Trump con job because during this period of time, he has raised millions of dollars in contributions presumably uh, on the fact that uh, he is needing this money for legal defenses and so forth like that. Uh, in, in reality, I think it's all going to Donald Trump, and I think it's probably going to be used for legal defenses, but I think they're going to be defenses uh, concerning misdeeds that he may have perpetrated prior to uh, becoming president. But I think we will get a new uh, president January 20th, uh, I, I'm a little concerned for Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris. Uh, I think that the animus is still so great in this country 
that it's going to be difficult for anybody to come in. Uh, it, it wouldn't really make much difference who, but anybody to come in and be president other than Donald Trump. I think it's just going to be a really rocky sea uh, initially going in. But I do think this. I think that just as uh, America and North Carolina went through the, the Spanish flu in 1918, and there were three waves of the Spanish flu that really didn't end until 1920. But just as we went through that, and after we came out of it, we had what were, was called the Roaring Twenties, prosperity, good times, uh, lots of opportunities for lots of people. Not everybody enjoyed that uh, wealth uh, uh, proportionally, but it still was called the Roaring Twenties. And I think there is very much opportunity along those same lines for us here in North Carolina. Uh, our mutual friend, Mike Walden, has said, um, we've, had, we've had some economic problems uh, so far as the state is concerned. Unemployment numbers went from 4% to close to 12%. Uh, we're, we're rebounding a little bit. He is of the opinion that come mid-year, uh, we're going to be back on a good track. And I think there are going to be some incredible opportunities in 2020. One uh, of which, frankly, is the fact that we have been so shut up and so quarantined and so restrained and restricted to our houses that people are just really hungry for community. I, I see this as being a huge opportunity for churches uh, who are uh, interested and in, in, in entrepreneurial enough to, uh, to start gathering people together inside their, their buildings and uh, not only have fellowship, but also have worship with them. I think we might see the restoration of civic clubs. You know, uh, our civic clubs essentially just uh, have declined to the point where uh, their memberships uh, are just, uh, you know, in, in many cases, just uh, pulse, uh, paucity. There's, there's a scarcity of, of members. Uh, I think there's an opportunity for them to uh, be restored because I think people are just going to be really hungry for community coming out of this. Well, and on top of that, of course, uh, Mike Walden points out that uh, savings are at an all-time high for for those who are not affected, have not been affected uh, economically by the COVID-19 situation where they may have lost their job or their business. The other folks are doing quite well and are saving a lot of money. And so lots of capital on the yes. sidelines. Yep. Interest rates are low. Uh, entrepreneurs who have good ideas and uh, add value to, to customers uh, and, and uh, give good service, I think are going to have some great opportunity. Uh, I, I think there's going to be interesting. I think we're going to see some reversal of population trends in North Carolina. Uh, one of the things that's happened as corporations have found out that they can operate with their workers staying home I think in a lot of instances, what we're going to see is these same corporations are, say, are going to say, why am I paying $36 a foot to rent office space when my workers can work at home for effectively the, the same way? Uh, so they're going to say that we're going to start seeing repurposing of a lot of office buildings across the country and in North Carolina, too. I think in addition to that, the workers will have figured out 
well, look, if I can work from home, I can work from home just as well at Wilson as I can in Raleigh. And by the way, the average house price of a house in Raleigh might be, what is it, $250,000, $270,000. You go to Wilson, uh, that same house might be one hundred and fifty. dollars uh, So they can get a whole lot more house for a whole lot less money. I think workers are going to start saying, I can live anywhere I want to. Now, I think that's also going to have some political ramifications because typically what's happened is we've seen younger workers crowd into these urban areas to to get their jobs. If they don't have to work in an urban setting anymore and they can go live where they want to, most of these younger workers are more liberal and are actually Democrats and vote Democrat, as we've seen uh, in recent elections. So all of a sudden, we're going to start seeing some of these rural red or uh, rural areas that are going to have an influx of Democrats moving in. We could see Democrats become competitive in some of these rural counties again. It could be a very interesting mix up as a as a result of uh, this uh, recovery that we're going to enjoy. Well, the other thing, of course, we've all learned tricks. This program, as a matter of fact, is being produced over Zoom. Tom is at his home. I'm in my home and and Jason is at the studio. And we're all learning to use Zooming and uh, the Internet to conduct business in a way that we've never done before. And it's working out. So this also changes the economics, as we've discussed, about business travel, because uh, airlines all of a sudden are going to find that uh, ordinary business travel is down, will this be replaced by an increase in the amount of, uh, of uh, travel by tourists and vacationing? Otherwise, well, and the, and the uh, have we overbuilt the airports? The hospitality industry is really going to face some uh, ramifications of this because no longer are a lot of people going to have a business expense lunch to be able to, to uh, file. And so they're going to be eating uh, in, in other areas. And so I think, uh, the restaurant, it, it's going to, it's going to have an impact. It's going to reverberate all, all across our economy. It's certainly interesting. One of the things I want to talk about in one of the later segments is I want to talk about uh, getting back to, uh, Donald Trump. I want to talk about what his, uh, actions and his relationship is with the Republican party, because clearly in the last couple of, uh, uh, or in the last week, especially, uh, he has uh, begun to create a, 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 a divide between he and many of the Republicans in Congress that have backed him and supported him. And, uh, of course, he's actually going against his own administration, uh, people that he appointed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's kind of interesting. I, I, I'll be interested in your comments on exactly where, what do you think he's setting himself up for, if he's setting himself up for anything at all. We'll do that probably in the third segment of the program. Uh, in the next segment, I want to talk a little bit about uh, this, uh, uh, the, uh, your program, North Carolina Spin, and uh, uh, the adventure that you had for those 22 years in doing that wonderful program, which was one of my favorites uh, and uh, uh, was so important to the disbursement of news and information. Well, anyway, our guest is Tom Campbell, as we said, the just retired uh, moderator of North Carolina Spin and a, a, a longtime friend of mine. We'll be back right after these messages with more of Carolina Newsmakers. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, 
I'm asking you questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. One in three adults in America have pre-diabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. <clears throat> Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living, then has my mom. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. We continue with Carolina Newsmakers. Here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is Tom Campbell. Tom has been with us a number of times through the years. Tom and I uh, go back a long way to uh, back when Tom was, had good sense and was a radio broadcaster. Exactly. Uh, and uh, we were uh, partners and also uh, 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 friends for years in the radio industry before Tom got uh, waylaid and somehow ended up doing a television program called North Carolina Spin, which has uh, been around now for 22 years and just ending this year. Now, Tom, have you done your last program? Is it is it officially over? Yeah, the, the program that aired December 25th was our last program. It's still up on our website if someone would like to see it. Uh, it's really interesting, Don, because it has some video from our very first show. I didn't know that video still existed, but, but our director and producer found it. And golly, to see John Hood looks like a baby. And Chris Fitzsimon had a full head of hair, as did I. Uh, and we were all so young back in 1998 when we started that show. Uh, it has progressed quite a bit uh, through 22 years. Uh, we're proud of the work that we did. But, you know, frankly, there, there comes a, a time for all things to end. And, the, and I had a milestone birthday this past year. I'm still two years younger than you are, by the way. Uh, I had a milestone birthday this year. So that makes you 60. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I thought we were going to be truthful on this show. So, uh, so I, I remember the words Walter Cronkite said when he retired from CBS Evening News. And if you remember, his ratings were higher than ABC's and NBC's put together. And uh, Bob Schieffer told me the story that he had asked Walter. He said, why are you doing this? And Walter said, I want to retire while people still welcome me in their homes. He said, I've seen too many athletes and performers and politicians and business people who stayed too long. And I think we can we can cite some today that are on the scene, particularly uh, television uh, commentators and so forth, that that stayed too long. They don't read as well. They don't res respond as as quickly. 
they're not with it uh, like they used to be. And I just didn't want to reach that point. So uh, I decided it was time to, uh, it, it had to be sometime soon. Uh, I decided that now was as good a time as any. So now, uh, folks, I am an unemployed writer, producer, and moderator of a television show. I'm thinking very seriously about getting a street corner uh, out uh, in the interchange for the bypass in Raleigh. But in doing a little research, I found most of the good street corners are already taken. So I, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Knowing you, you, you have had such an interesting, varied career because at one time, of course, you were also uh, assistant state treasurer uh, and uh, in addition to your broadcast career and so forth. So you've had an interesting life. How many programs did you actually do? 1154. 1154. Uh, and uh, that, that's an incredible series of programs. And uh, uh, and you had some frequent guests that were with you for a long uh, Rufus Edmondson was with you a lot. And uh, uh, some of the people who have been regular guests on your program. Well, let me tell you very quickly the genesis of the show. Uh, I was the licensee of Fox 50, as you remember. And one of the th- we had leased the station out to Capital Broadcasting uh, on what's called an LMA agreement. The FCC would not let me turn over to them public affairs and public service programming. So I was responsible for public affairs programs. I did one of these one-on-one interview shows, and I walked out of the studio one night. And I said that was boring as sin, and if it was boring to me, and I'm the one who did it. It must have been horrible for the viewers. I know the feeling. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I I was at an event one night, and I ran into John Hood, and I said, at the time, if you remember, there was a program called the McLaughlin Group. Yeah. Yes. John McLaughlin, a former Jesuit priest, uh, and he had a panel of four people. So I, I mentioned to John Hood, I said, John, you know, I'm thinking about trying to start a TV show in North Carolina, which will be a McLaughlin Group but just focusing on North Carolina issues. And he said, funny you should mention that because I thought this state should have one of those too. And he said, if you're serious about doing it, he said, I was Fred Barnes intern. And so I did all the research for him when he was on McLaughlin's show. So if you want to know how it's formatted, if you want to know how it's conducted and all this kind of, I'll be more than happy to, to tell you all of, all of the production uh, techniques of this show. And by the way, if you're going to do it, I'd like to be on it. And I said, well, okay, obviously you would represent the right, the political right. We'd need to get somebody from the political ref. And both of us simultaneously said Chris Fitzsimon. So we met at the old TK trips out there on uh, Wade Boulevard. And uh, we sat down in the restaurant one day over lunch in July of 1998. And on a napkin, we kind of penciled out how this show was going to work. And <laughs> frankly, it is, it's still the same kind of format that it was back in those days. So I have two panelists who are on most all of the shows. And then we try to rotate two other panelists who um, uh, hopefully there are people. I mean, we've got former Governor Purdue, uh, former Lieutenant Governor Dennis Wicker, Rufus, as you mentioned, former Secretary of State and Attorney General, House uh, Speaker Joe Mavretic, a number of different legislators, uh, former Supreme Court justice. Uh, and so 
there are just any number of interesting people who also are knowledgeable people uh, who are on the show each week. And the, the whole premise was that we want to be a show where differing opinions are, are not only welcomed, but encouraged, and that we're not going to try to tell the viewers what they ought to think about particular issues, but instead we're going to present these differing opinions and count on the fact that they were smart enough to figure it out for themselves, what was the right or the wrong. And, and I think that format uh, and that premise has worked pretty well for 22 years. And I must just say that uh, I, I have been overwhelmed by how much response we've gotten uh, after it was announced that we were going to retire. Uh, in fact, I think if I'd have known I was going to get this much response, I might have retired a year ago. But uh, as far as it goes, it's just been overwhelming, and I appreciate it. And uh, it's been an honor to to be able to do this uh, for the people of North Carolina. But I do think it's time uh, to to step aside, and especially in this political climate. I just don't like, you know, you and I were both raised in an era when there were Democrats, there were Republicans, they'd disagree, but they'd come together and they'd be able to work out things for the common good. But we're in a period now where uh, if you disagree with me about something, then I'm your enemy and you've got to demonize me and you've got to talk ugly about me. And Democrats and Republicans don't even mingle with each other in any way, shape or form anymore. It's just not, uh, as I told uh, a reporter who talked to me about this, it's not a sandbox I enjoy playing in anymore. And I think it, I don't see anything. I wish I could tell you I saw something where it was going to get better, but I don't. You know, retirement is an interesting thing because some people have extraordinarily good judgment like Walter Cronkite. Johnny Carson is another who left on top. Uh, and then there are others whose careers just seem to go on and on and actually get larger. Dolly Parton, for example, is yeah. a great example. She's now in her uh, sixth decade of being a celebrity star. Uh, Dean Smith, the basketball coach at North Carolina, of course, uh, passed away later, but he uh, told Roy Williams, I retired too early. And I think probably he did. He said, I probably should have coached three more years. So retirement is kind of an interesting thing. Athletes, of course, all have that problem. And then, you you know, you see a, a situation where you've got a Tom Brady who's still playing great football at age, what, 44 or something like that. I don't yeah, know. of course, 44 is still a pretty tender age. But in, in the world of athletics, uh, it, it's it's pretty advanced. But, I, but I've seen too many people who they've lost a step. They, yeah. they are not. Well, that's right. And, and for everyone who uh, finds a longer career, some people just stay too long. Uh, I think where most people get in trouble in retirement is trying to slow down. I think if you're going to stay in business, you've got to stay in. You yep. can't, you can't, uh, you can change, right. you can change careers and you can do different things, but if you're going to stay active in what you're doing, you need to stay active and stay fully engaged because the world changes so rapidly. Uh, you know, I, somebody asked me the other day what I thought the future of, of my company was or what the future of radio was. And I said, you know, long range planning has gotten down to where it's about a year. That's right. Uh, and uh, well, I'm so going to continue to, I'm going to continue to write my weekly newspaper columns and post them on the web and yeah. put out my newsletter. And, and Don, I've gotten started. I expect you have too, but I've gotten started on a book 
and I'm about a third of the way through the doggone thing. And it seems like every time I'm making some progress toward getting it finished, then uh, something else comes up and the show, you know, this thing had gotten to the point where it was taking me 35, 40 hours a week to, to write it and produce it and moderate it. And, uh, you know, at, at this advanced age, it was just, uh, it's not like it used to be when we were in our twenties and, you know, I could work all week long, go out and mow the grass and work in the yard on Saturday, lay down on the couch and watch a football game on Sunday afternoon. And by Monday morning, I was ready to go again, just full steam. I can't do that as much anymore. And I recognize that. Well, the, the great mystery of my life has been how at one point in time, I started out a couple of years older than you are. And now I'm five years younger. I'm not quite sure how that happened, but uh, it's one of those interesting facts. It must have been clean living. It, well, it <clears throat> clearly was clean living on my part. Uh, our guest is Tom Campbell. We, we've enjoyed re reminiscing about his program, North Carolina Spin, and uh, its uh, genesis and how it became so much a part of the, the new scene in North Carolina. We're going to get back to talking about uh, what's ahead in the year 2021. It's hard to imagine that we are now entering another decade, but we will do that. We'll get Tom's views and opinions on where the state government is going to find its challenges as well as the federal government. And we'll do that when we return with another segment of Carolina Newsmakers. As an 18 year old, I let my mistakes kind of take over my life. I was 0.5 credits away from completing high school and I didn't do it. 10 years later at age 28, Jackie finished her high school diploma. When I found out that I was pregnant, I know that I had to do something for myself if I wanted to make her a better person and provide a better life for her. My family never stopped pushing for me to be better because they knew what I could become and who I could become as a person. My support team is amazing. The educational director, my sister, and even my seven-year-old daughter has just been more than the support that I could ask for. I've been given an opportunity, and I'm just thankful for it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. When you went car shopping, you meant business. You ace vehicle history searches and test drives. You out salesmen to the salesman. Now you've got your wheels. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. With 401k tips and smart saving strategies, you'll have the info you need to get more for your future. Go to aceyourretirement.org because when it comes to speeding past financial challenges, you're an ace. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers, and Tom Campbell is our guest. Tom uh, just finished on December 25th, the last edition of North Carolina Spin, uh, a uh, weekly part of our lives since 1998, uh, and now is uh, going to be a frequent guest on our program, as he has been for years, because he's still going to be writing his column and all that sort of thing. And Tom, we want to get your views and opinions on the challenges, and we're going to start with the state government. A couple of things that are sort of surprising is we all anticipated that uh, the federal, the, the state budget was probably going to be uh, limited because of the COVID-19 situation. As it turns out, the state budget is not in bad, as bad a shape as anyone thought. Uh, we have a general assembly that is uh, still 
Republican controlled, but uh, the margins are not as big. Uh, we have a Democratic government, governor. So what do you forecast is going to happen in the state of North Carolina in the year 2021? I think we have to begin by giving some praise to uh, our legislature for wisely understanding that there, our, our, our uh, budget and economy in the state government has, is cyclical. It's up and it's down. And they were wise enough to put aside some money so that if we got into one of those down cycles, uh, we'd, we wouldn't get into a situation where we had to raise taxes. Now, that said, uh, because of the fact that they hadn't passed a budget since 2017, because of the fact that the economy wasn't really as bad as it had been uh, expected to be or, or projected to be, they're sitting there with four and a half billion dollars in available money and a billion dollars in that rainy day fund. So they've got money to spend. Now, we can argue at another time whether or not they've been too uh, miserly so far as spending for schools or, or whatever like that. Uh, but the point is that we've got money. Now, here's, here's the thing that I think is the great opportunity in 2021. This is an opportunity for uh, statesmen to emerge. Uh, I think that people of North Carolina are tired of uh, all of the animus and all of the divisive rhetoric and all of the arguments that have gone on in North Carolina between our legislature and our, our governor, the lawsuits, the vetoes, all they're just tired of this mess. I think it is time for uh, the leaders of our state to come together and say, okay, folks, it's, it's now time for us to work for the common good of the people of North Carolina. Now, there's several things I think they can do that would be good uh, examples to demonstrate to us that they get it. The first one would be uh, to pass a bipartisan, a nonpartisan uh, redistricting commission. This is going to be one of those years, if, if the census ever concludes, and it's still not concluded, uh, it's going to be one of those years when we redistrict legislative districts, congressional districts, judicial districts, all kinds of districts in, across the state. If they would follow through and uh, set up a nonpartisan uh, redistricting commission so that uh, elected officials were no longer choosing their voters, the voters were choosing the elected officials. I think that'd be a great first step, and I think it would signify to the people of this state that there are some new times and new days. I think they could go further with this and work together to pass a budget. As I say, we haven't had a budget since 2017 that was passed. The 2018 budget uh, is still in effect today. I mean, four years later, uh, it's still in effect. So I think if they could come together and, and reach some agreements so that we didn't have vetoes on a budget. If we didn't have lawsuits and court cases that were resulting from this, I think it would be another good signal. And I think they ought to take a lot of that money and put it toward uh, rebuilding or restoring or building the public infrastructure in North Carolina. Uh, there are many of water and sewer systems, there are roads, there are all kinds of school buildings, there are all kinds of public infrastructure needs that are 
really just screaming at us because we really haven't been paying a lot of attention to them. Uh, this would be a good thing, kind of like the Public Works Administration or the Civilian Conservation Corps that Franklin Roosevelt started. It put people to work, give them paychecks, and it would also uh, signal to folks that we're coming out of this pandemic and North Carolina is a state that's ready to lead. Tom, uh, one of the things that, uh, of course, North Carolina has a balanced budget requirement. And of course, as you said, we have some surplus money. And so it gets a little easier and we're getting federal aid right and left. Now, the federal government, on the other hand, uh, has been charged with keeping the economy going. And most of the economists are in agreement that uh, increasing the national debt during this time was the only solution yes. uh, to keep from having a situation. But nonetheless, the federal debt is at an all-time high. The federal government is looking at uh, still a recovery period of time. Uh, we are probably looking at some additional stimulus needs. Um, uh, are you worried about where the federal uh, deficit is? No, because we've got printing presses and we can print whatever we want to. It's no longer backed up by a gold standard. I think, I think at some point in time, uh, we've got to be concerned about future generations and what we're leaving them so far as debt. But this isn't the time, uh, I, I think, to, to all of a sudden decide. I mean, I thought it was really interesting. I saw Lindsey Graham all of a sudden has become very worried about the deficit and debt. Well, he wasn't worried about the deficit and the debt when he passed that tax cut, which, which increased the federal deficit by over a billion dollars a year. He wasn't worried about it when he passed the first of the stimulus packages that took place uh, earlier this year. But, but now, all of a sudden, he's become worried about all of this. I don't think that this is as large. I, I think that the big obligation that our federal government has right now Similar to, you can like his politics or not like his politics, but FDR was the right man at the right time in America's history to help get us out of that Great Depression uh, that took place in, in 1929. We've got to come out of this. And, and sadly, the people you talked earlier about, the people who have prospered during this period of time, it's not the lower income people. It's not even the middle income people. It's people who are in the middle to upper income ranges who have really seen the great benefits uh, from the economy in the last few years. We got to do something to close that income gap. Tom, I, uh, you uh, clearly we know that uh, your dog is uh, a friend of Lindsey Graham because, as you mentioned his name, he began to bark. Actually, my daughter came to the door. Uh, she tells you hello, by the way. Uh, and, and, uh, she came to the door and that always sets up. I have two dogs now, by the way. Uh, and so that sets up the dogs barking. I see. Okay. Well, I thought maybe it was your, uh, comments about Lindsey Graham that was doing it. Uh, I want to turn to another, uh, sort of change, uh, the subject a little bit now and talk about the federal government, because again, they have unique needs. And of course, every state in the union is a little different. Uh, you alluded to the uh, census. We're probably going to gain a little bit more statue because we'll probably gain a congressman. Right. Uh, and that's going to change the congressional districts tremendously. How do you see that redistricting happening? Uh, and uh, will, who will benefit from that? Will it be the Democrats or the Republicans? 
Well, it just depends on whether or not they, they form this nonpartisan redistricting commission. Uh, I think the legislature has demonstrated, and by the way, this is not just a Republican or a Democrat issue, because you remember the days when the Democrats were in charge of North Carolina, and they were gerrymandering districts about as badly as anybody you could imagine. But yeah. that's exactly what has happened with Republicans in North Carolina. Uh, I remember David Lewis, who was House chairman of redistricting, he said the only reason why we have 11 Democrats, uh, 11 Republicans in Congress from North Carolina is we couldn't figure out how to draw a district for a 12th one. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I, I think that that is a problem. I think that as we are growing, the growth is taking place in urban areas. Uh, so the urban areas are going to see uh, more distribution so far as congressional seats are concerned. The rural areas are going to see fewer. Uh, I think by by that very fact, we probably will see more Democrats in our congressional delegation. But I still think that Republicans will hold a plurality of seats. And also, as we continue to grow in population uh, and move up the ladder, uh, as far as the uh, presidential election four years hence, North Carolina becomes uh, an important state again because we are truly an absolute purple state. I mean, no it, the, 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 the lines. But we're going to see some other, uh, something else is going to be unique here. The baby boomer generation and the greatest generation, the World War II generation, are dying out. We're going to see the millennials the generation Ys are going to come in and they're going to start taking over political power in North Carolina. And it's going to be interesting to see the changes that are going to evolve when they come in and start really exercising and flexing their muscles. So you're telling me that Jason Kong and his friends will be running things? Yes. And, and I will tell you, there will be some who are afraid of that. Uh, I'm excited about it because I think these, these young people, they're the ones that are going to have to pay the prices. You talked about uh, uh, debt. They're the ones that are going to end up having to pay the price for all of this stuff. They might as well have a voice in deciding who's going to be the leaders. Well, uh, and of course, this is not something that is new. We've been having new generations take over for years, and, and uh, new ideas and new thought processes are always welcome in a democracy, and uh, that's what we have. Uh, and... Uh, you, you, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in the final segment of Carolina Newsmakers, which is coming up. Our, our guest is Tom Campbell. I, I've left myself with not enough time to ask another question in this segment. But in the final segment, we're going to get back and uh, talk a little bit about uh, one of my interesting concerns, and that's the number of unaffiliated voters. And we'll do that when we return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up, don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. 
Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Tom Campbell. He's been a frequent guest of our program. He just finished taping his 1154th program of North Carolina Spin, which was the final program. And uh, Tom has been a part of the political scene in North Carolina because of that program for now uh, since 1998. Uh, 22 years, and uh, we're always interested in hearing Tom's comments. Tom, one of the things I wanted to talk about, there's two things I want to talk about in this segment. One is, what is the future of the Republican Party, and how has Donald Trump and his relationship with the Republican Party uh, set the stage for the next two or three years for the Republicans? But the other thing I want to talk about a little bit is the increasing number of unaffiliated voters. And I'll tell you what I'm concerned about is when someone registers unaffiliated, they essentially take themselves out of the pool of being a part of the appointed or elected uh, population. I mean, uh, the elected uh, public servants. So about uh, one third of our population now cannot participate in the political process except by voting. That disturbs me because there's a lot of talented people in that pool. I'm one of them. Um, And I think if you have told me in the past, you're one of them too. Yeah, I am. I am. I'm, I'm registered unaffiliated. Yeah. However, let's, let's be very clear about this. Just because you're registered unaffiliated doesn't mean that you don't have any affinity whatsoever. The statistics will show that unaffiliated voters lean left or lean right. And so given all things being equal, uh, Republicans can count on a certain percentage of these unaffiliated voting for them, Democrats for them. I do think this, in the next couple of years, we're going to see unaffiliated voters grow and are going to be larger in number than either the Democrats or the Republicans. Okay, but here's, here's, what I'm, here's the concern I've got. Those people are not candidates or possible candidates because they don't have the backing of either the Democrats. They, can, they, can, they will, in their votes, they will... Uh, uh, participate yeah. in that. But what's bothering me is that's a large number of people to take out of the pool of potential leaders. Well, one of the things that I think needs to happen is that we need to lower the threshold of what has to happen for somebody to register to run for public office. Right yeah. now, you have to get a certain number of signatures. That number, that threshold is excessively high. I think as unaffiliated voters gain more strength, I think you're going to see that uh, as a movement, because uh, that sort of feeds into what you were talking about before. I, I personally am of the opinion that political parties are archaic and are, are uh, just out of step with the world. There used to be a time when I first got in politics back in the 60s that if the Democratic Party selected a, a candidate, then that candidate got endorsed all the way down to the county and, the, and, and then every county had 
an organization, a structure, and they were responsible for raising money. They were responsible for candidate appearances. They were responsible for getting out their own votes. The, the political parties no longer have that kind of clout anymore. And uh, I think they are, uh, frankly, dinosaurs insofar as, as uh, politics is concerned. Now, they are still uh, lumbering around the world and still have some clout. I think Donald Trump may end up being the person who destroys the political party structure in this country. Um, I've got so many friends, like, like for instance, our, our mutual friend, Bob Orr, former Supreme Court justice, Republican all his life, but he signed on to this Lincoln project because he just absolutely deplores Donald Trump and what he's done in the name of Republicans. Uh, Donald Trump really isn't a Republican. Now, uh, I do not understand exactly why his party has been so willing to go along with him lockstep, although uh, he, is such, uh, he, he is such a bully that he has promised to primary candidates if they didn't follow and, and uh, adopt his, his way of thinking. But I think after this is all over and done with, that's going to change and change dramatically, and I'll tell you why. I think that the courts in New York are on to Donald Trump for all kinds of corruption and misrepresentations so far as loans and so far as other activities are concerned. I have every idea in the world that before the next congressional election, which will be in 22, that Donald Trump will be seriously indicted or maybe even convicted. Uh, Republicans are going to have to figure out who they are and figure out what kind of party they have left. If they don't, then the folks who are in that Lincoln project are going to go out and form their own party. Now, if they do that, that just turns the, the whole political spectrum over to Democrats. They certainly don't want that. And so uh, the, the Republican Party, I think, has a very cloudy future. And I think they're going to have to sit down and do some really serious soul searching about what it is they believe and who they're willing to follow uh, in the future. The interesting thing about uh, the, uh, the uh, about Donald Trump is he has this core of people who just will follow him regardless to whatever he says or does. And yet then you have another group of people who legitimately uh, uh, voted for him or, or participated with him because of the issues that he did. Uh, accomplish a number of things. For example, you know, the, the Mideast, he obviously yeah, had some done, success. Done, yeah, you have to admit, he's done some good stuff. Yeah, I, you know, the thing I don't understand about Donald Trump is he uh, did not take credit for warp uh, speed. Uh, like he should have, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean... Well, he's he, so angry, and, yeah. and he's so narcissistic. But but here's here's the thing. Trump is a cult leader. Now, you can cut this and slice it any way you want to, but the Donald Trump movement is a cult and Donald Trump is the biggest con man that we've seen in this, in this nation's history because his email address is T Campbell. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right. But, but seriously, I mean, it is, it is the type of thing where I've never seen any situation before where someone was able to mesmerize an entire party. Uh, he's, he's, like I say, he's a con man. Well, you know, we, we were talking about uh, Donald Trump. And, and, and by the way, you know, we, we uh, essentially let our guest 
have a lot of latitude in what they say because we think this is important, uh, an important part of the of the uh, journalistic aspect well, of this sure program. Nice saying you don't agree with what I'm saying? <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I was just going to say that I am planning a program a little later on where we have a, a Donald Trump supporter on to talk about Donald Trump and and uh, and why uh, they still support him and uh, follow him. And as you said, it is sort of like a cult following. I think even those who are Donald Trump fans, when they look at it, they they realize that it is like a cult, and and they see nothing wrong with that. Uh, and then on that same program, I'm going to have someone from the Republican Party who's saying, "Okay, well, how do we go on from here?" So that's that's an up and coming program uh, that we're doing. Well, Tom, uh, we've got about a minute for you to wrap up and say what what do you think we're going to look forward to in January? What's coming up in the news in January? I think we're going to get this president, a uh, new president, inaugurated. I think we're going to, to finally see inoculations uh, ramp up to the point where uh, old folks like you and me are going to be able to get our shots. And uh, I think by June or July, this is going to be uh, have been done to the point where we're going to start seeing a return to normalcy in our lives. Well, uh, that's uh, I think a lot of people are joining you in that. And uh, it looks like, uh, you know, essentially somewhere around April or May, things will begin to get to be a little bit more normal, a little bit yes. more like we were accustomed to before all this happened. Right. Tom, thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to having you back on again. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong. And if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can do so by going to carolinanewsmakers.com. That's carolinanewsmakers.com, and you can hear a repeat or uh, hear the segments that you might have missed. Uh, until next week, same time, same station. We hope that you and yours have a good week. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.